Well, guys, that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and, and earlier in the first service, we had three uh, high school students uh, who had already given their life to Christ and they wanted to be baptized in obedience too. And so it's just been a great day of seeing new life displayed in that little tub right there. God is doing some really cool things. And so I'm glad that you got to be a part of it. Um, we are going to transition now uh, into our time in God's word. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn them to Mark chapter 16? Mark chapter 16. Oh, let me, let me send the kids out. Kiddos, um, if you're three to uh, up to fifth grade, thank you um, for everybody who reminded me. Um, have a great time. Happy Easter. He's risen. It's going to be fun. And uh, as they are heading out, why don't you go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And it really is, this is a, a great day uh, to celebrate together. Um, you and I are sitting in this room right now because we believe that Jesus died. Are we not? But we're not just sitting here because we believe that he died. We're sitting here because we believe that he didn't stay dead. We believe that he was ruthlessly and unjustly murdered. He was taken and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And then after three days, he miraculously rose from the dead. And if you don't yet believe that, you're at least interested in finding out more about that because you're here. Or you are really looking to get close to the in-laws. Um, or you've just come to a place in your life where you've just said, man, I, I don't know where else to turn. Everything's broken, everything is dried up, and uh, maybe I'll go try this Jesus thing. And if he can do what he's done in somebody else's life, may, maybe I'll give him a shot. And so today, or maybe last night, you made a decision, I'm gonna go find a church, and I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna celebrate um, with them and see if Jesus is who he says he is. And so either way, we're celebrating Easter because somebody who was dead, they came back to life. Amen? Somebody who was dead came back to life. And dead things don't normally come back to life, do they? It's an anomaly. And when they do, it's kind of a big deal. Would you agree? Yeah, dead, dead things come back. We agree. Now, my wife, she is a labor and delivery nurse. And she's great at what she does. Um, but it's not just the amount of schooling that she's been to. It's not the ability of her hands that makes her good at what she does. Although those things are really amazing. She went to school. She's got good hands. She does good work. What makes her exceptional is her heart for her patients, right? When you go to the doctor, when you have a nurse, you want somebody who cares. And Ashley is a nurse who has a heart for the people that she cares for. And a couple years ago, she had a patient who was pregnant. And unfortunately, that lady lost the baby while she was in the hospital. And I think we can all agree that's an incredibly tough scenario to walk through, is it not? And if you've ever walked through that scenario, man, I'm so sorry because it is bitter. It is bitter to walk through. And so this young lady lost her baby. And Ashley, she sat with her. She hugged her. She cried with her. And she just sat for as long as the gown needed for her to sit. One of the darkest days of this young woman's life. About a month later, uh, that same woman, she brought, um, she brought back to the hospital a plant and gave it to Ashley. And she said, thank you. Just thank you with tears in her eyes. Thank you for being there for me. You didn't have to be, you didn't have to care for me, but you did. And I want to give you this thing. Now you can imagine how important that plant is in our house. Can you not? That plan is a big deal. But as good as Ashley is with people, neither one of us are very good keeping plants alive. Okay? We're just not very good at it. And, and so that plan did exceptionally well 
Like it, it was doing the best life that it could live before it got to our house. And then when it got to in our house, it started to struggle. Over time, it started to wilt. It even looked like it was dead um, there on the right. That's what it began to look like. And of course, when that happened, she's heartbroken. We tried everything. Light, water, talking to it real nice. You know, doing all those things that they tell you to do on YouTube. And other people who don't know how to keep plants alive, apparently. And uh, so it just, it just just wasn't making it. So we looked online, we talked to people about uh, ways to bring it back to life. And so she read somewhere that if you take a piece of the part that looks like it's dead and if you cut it off and you plant it in water, you put it in water and you put it in a dark, damp place, that that plant has the ability to come back to life. And I looked at this thing right here and I said, this is not coming back to life. Like this thing is dead, it's gone. Hold on to the memory, baby, but this thing is gone. Let it go. And it's probably a good time to let you know I'm always really good at encouraging my wife. Just really good at it. Telling her she's doing an amazing job. But for this plant, it was way too important to her to just let it go, to not give it one last try. And so here's a scenario in our house. In our bathroom, there's this little clear vase and it's been sitting in our bathroom for months. And every time I walk by it, I see this dead plant inside of it. And I'm like, why do we have this vase in our bathroom? It's not doing anything. Look at it. And so uh, one day, I just got curious, I think last week, and I, and I picked it up. And I, I was like, just let's see what's happening here. And so I picked it up, and we've got roots. And we've got a, a new leaf that's starting to grow outside of it. Is that not amazing? Yeah. Like you horticulturist people, you're like, I, I do that every day. Um, but for us, like we kill things in our house, not people, okay? Plants come to our house to die, but this one, somehow it's living. Um, it was dead, but it started to come back to life. And in our house, that's a big deal. Sometimes you've got to get out of the old soil if you want to experience new life. You got to get uprooted out of the dead stuff to get over here to live in the good stuff. But as good and as happy as we were about this plant, Jesus dying on a cross and coming back, that's immensely more important than, than the plant. We love it, we're caring for it, but Jesus coming back totally overwhelms us. And in the Gospels, Jesus said that the birds of the air, they have a place to sleep. They have food to eat. They, God takes care of them. The lilies in the field, they are dressed in splendor. He takes care of them. And if he cares about the sparrows in the air, and if he cares about the lilies in the field, how much more important are you than the sparrows? How much more important are you to God than the lilies of the field and of the plants? He cares about you. Maybe something that you need to hear this morning, especially if you feel like there is something inside of you that is just dead. If you feel like there's something inside of you that might be dying right now, you need to know this, that God loves you. And I don't say that to be trite. I don't say that because you're at church and you're supposed to say stuff like that. I want you to know that whatever scenario, whatever situation that you were in, that God loves you. He really loves you. And it doesn't matter why you showed up this morning. It doesn't matter what was going on in your life up to this point. You need to know that no no matter what is going on, God loves you. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. He's not happy with sin in your life. 
Like if you're just free reign sinning and just going um, uh, just off the rails, that is not something that pleases God. And he does not love that. But I will tell you this, it doesn't matter about what's going on in your life. He loves you and wants you to have the life that he has. He wants you to have the life that he has. Now, there's no doubt about it. And, And the way that he's proved his love is that while we were still sinning, Paul tells us in Romans, while we were arguing and fighting and bickering with one another and we were cheating and and we were promiscuous and we were living in debauchery and we were doing all the things that we're not supposed to do, while we were off the rails, he died for us. He died for you. He was buried for you. He was buried for me. He was raised to life for you. He was raised to life for me so that you and I could have new life too and not stay in the old soil and die in the old soil. And maybe that's not the first time that you heard this. Maybe you like Easter, you put it on the calendar and man, I'm showing up at Easter. Maybe you grew up in church and maybe you've even been here and you've heard, man, uh, Jesus loves me, uh, this I know, uh, for the Bible tells me so. Maybe you know the songs. Maybe you know the stories that David took out Goliath, you know. Maybe you know some of this stuff, but maybe today at Easter 2023, this might be the first time you actually let it sink in. You've heard it, but maybe today is the time that you let it settle. God was willing to send Jesus, his one and only son to die so that whoever believed in him might have life. You've seen the signs in the stadiums. You've seen people markering this on their shoes in basketball games. You've read it. It was one of the first Bible verses that you memorized. But here's what it means. If you look at your life and you do a real survey of what's going on in your life and you realize that there's something that's dying inside of you, that you are dying from the inside out, if you plant your life in Christ... He's going to give you new life. He's going to give you new roots. He's going to give you new shoots. He's going to give you uh, new leaves that are popping on. He wants to give you new life. And the resurrection of Jesus is the proof of his love for you. I've shared this story with many of you before um, who are regular here. But if you're new, you've probably not heard this story. In 1999, um, I was at a crossroads in my life. A crossroads that I'm guessing that many of you who are sitting in here um, have been in as well. Not the only one I know. And for me, I could believe, the crossroads was this, that I could believe that whatever I had been taught about Jesus, my entire life was real. That Jesus came, he was the son of God, that he died on a cross, that he did that for my sin, that he took, that he, if I would trust in him, he would take it away. And if I followed him, that I could have a life eternal with him forever. I was at the crossroads, 1999, I could continue to believe that or... I could keep walking down a path that was isolating me away from Jesus and was isolating away from everybody who cared about me, who actually loved me. And I was lying there in the middle of my bed one night, a few too many in my system, if you know what I mean. And I remember God saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you here right now? The the road that you are on is leading you to death. But over here, I have life and it's waiting for you. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to choose life? Are you going to choose death? That's the crossroads that I was at. And I believe that every one of us in this room has either been at that crossroads, you're at that crossroads right now, or you are at some other crossroad. You are at a crossroads of what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Starting after today, starting after this moment, when when you walk out of this room, 
you're at a crossroads. What are you going to do? And I believe that every one of us who walked in here is at some type of crossroads. You might be at a crossroads as a mom or a dad wondering, how on earth am I going to raise these kids? I was not expecting this one, but here it is. I've been expecting, but I don't know how it's going to turn out. My child's a teenager now, and how am I going to handle that? I'm pregnant now. I wasn't expecting that. And so how am I going to be a mom? How am I going to be a dad? And you're at a crossroads. How are you going to handle that? Maybe you're a teenager and you're, you're about to graduate and you've been going to school for four years and you're like, man, I'm about, I'm about like, I, I got to get this degree. And now where am I going to work? What's the job that I'm going to do? How am I going to spend the rest of my life? What is my employment going to look like? Somebody's in here is thinking about retirement. And you, you've hit that age. You didn't want to hit that age, but you got there. And unfortunately, when you got there, the markets crashed. Like, well, there went my 401k. There went my IRAs. What am I supposed to do now? Am I supposed to retire now? Am I supposed to wait? Like, I've been working for so long, and you're at a crossroads. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Every one of us is at a crossroads of what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. And actually, I think that there are, are three very, very crucial crossroads in our life that we all need to walk through if we're going to have real, lasting, experiential life with Jesus. And I want to talk about those three things real quickly if we can. Can we do that? <laughs> All right, let's do that. The first crossroads that I think that we have is it's just simply taking in the resurrection of Jesus. Just beholding the resurrection, seeing it and letting it sink in. For the believer, for us who trust Jesus, the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Like, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then everything else is, is worthless. But because he raised from the dead, we build our entire lives, everything on Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He's a capstone. He's the one who holds all things together. We build our lives there. But believe it or not, there are people all around us in this room. There are people around the world who just think that Jesus maybe was just a great guy. Maybe he was a good teacher. Maybe he was even a prophet, but he wasn't anything more than that. And increasingly so, that has become um, prevalent throughout our culture. I've heard at least a handful of times over the last couple of weeks, and I've read in several different places, that the fastest growing religion in America is the religion of no religion at all. Have you heard that? The fastest growing religion is not a religion at all. It's an anti-religion. It's a religion of no religion at all. It's agnosticism on steroids. It says, like, faith is irrelevant. Belief that faith is irrelevant. And that's not a new scenario. That's not a new sentiment. Um, that has been going on throughout our history. Um, it's been pervasive, but it's becoming more and more pervasive, and it's working its way into our homes, through all kinds of social media outlets, through the things that we watch, through the things that we let in, through the things that we hear. And so let me ask you a question. In your home... Is faith irrelevant? Is faith irrelevant in your home? Does belief in the resurrection of Jesus, does it matter to you? Does it change anything for you? As you're raising your toddlers and as you're raising your teenagers, does the gospel, does Jesus, does the resurrection, does it matter to you? Does the resurrection change how you're raising up your family and when you're coming home from work and when you're leaving in the morning and how much time you're spending away from your kids and from your wife and from your husband? Does the, does the resurrection, does Jesus matter in any of that? Does it matter in how you're choosing to spend your time and what you're pouring your energy into? Does faith in Jesus make a difference in your marriage? Does faith make a difference in how you speak to your wife and how you speak to your husband and how you speak to your kids and the way your business ethics are working and your social media presence is going? Does faith make a difference in the areas and the arenas of your life that count and that matter? Does Jesus make a difference? Is faith irrelevant for you? 
Could anybody look at your life and follow you around for a day or two? And this is not a guilt trip, this is reality. Could anybody walk around with you a day or two and say, man, this guy, this gal, Jesus makes a difference for her. Jesus makes a difference for him. Could somebody look at your social media accounts and get on Twitter and Instagram and check your Snapchat and however you do that? Would they be able to look at your, your social media presence and be like, man, this guy is following Jesus. This gal is following Jesus. Their heart is solid and sold out for him. If Jesus died, if he was buried in the grave and three days later he came back from the dead like we're celebrating at Easter today, that should change everything. Regardless of what the current polls would have us to believe, regardless of what current pop culture um, belief would suggest that we follow, the resurrection changes everything, does it not? Jesus changes everything. And as Christians, and I believe many of us in the room are Christians, we believe that Jesus was sent from God the Father, that he wrapped himself in flesh, that he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, that he went to a terrible death that we certainly wouldn't want to die, that he did all of those things. And in that, he took the penalty for your sin, my sin, and he nailed it to the cross. And here's the deal, that he nailed it forever. It doesn't come off. And so that if you place your faith in Jesus, you get to have new life in him. He did that for you. And you know why he did that? Because he loves you. And there is no doubt when you look at the resurrection. There's no doubt when you look at the reason that he went to the cross. But the story doesn't stop with him dying. That's when the story just starts getting good. In fact, I've heard it said, Good Friday is not the end of the story, but it's the beginning of the greatest comeback story in all of history. Right? It's a comeback story because if you can recall, Jesus was being executed on a cross between two men, both of which are cursing Jesus. They were just going at him. You claim to be the son of God? Get yourself out of this problem. Get us all out of this problem. Yeah, you can't do anything. You have no power. You have no ability. What are you doing? And somewhere along the line, one of these two dudes stops throwing insults because something in him realized that there was something in Jesus where he just might actually be the savior. And the other fellow, he's still hurling insults at Jesus. And so the guy says, you fool, you fool. What are you talking about? We deserve to die for our crimes. This man over here, he's done nothing wrong. Yet we have, we deserve to die. He's done nothing. And Jesus looks at this man and he says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me in, in paradise. Well, what does that mean to be with Jesus in paradise? That means that this life isn't the end. The life that you're living right now, this is not the end. There's so much more than this. And it doesn't matter how much baggage you've been carrying. It doesn't matter if you're the theologically trained. It doesn't matter if you're biblically illiterate. It doesn't matter how many failures you've had in the past. It doesn't even matter um, uh, if you've had incredible successes in the past. When we turn to Jesus, he promises that he will give us new life. And John says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he'll give us a brand new life. That's what that means. If he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness, if we'll come to him, he is faithful and just. And if he's faithful and just, we can trust that he'll give us a brand new life. That's what that means. And so let me ask you, what's your story? Do you feel like you're wilting? Do you feel like you're dying on the inside? Do you feel like something's drying up? 
He said that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? It means that he loves you. He loves you and he wants to give you new life. He wants you to come to him and he wants to give you new life. Listen to how the resurrection goes down in Mark chapter 16. When a Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled to the tomb, uh, fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for their fear, or for they were afraid. And they, once they go back and they get away from everybody who was wanting to kill Jesus and whatnot, they get to where the disciples are, and they spill their guts, and they tell them everything that they've seen. And here's the deal. At this moment, Jesus was buried, right? And the people thought that it was over. And to be fair, for every funeral that you and I have been to, there's the expectation that that person is not getting back up. That that really is the end for them. Death here looked like it had won. And so you can imagine the disappointment of the disciples and the crew who had been following Jesus around for a while thinking that he was going to be their savior. And you can especially imagine the disappointment of these ladies who are going to the graveside to take care of their friend and the man that they thought was their savior. They are ready to tend to his body. And then they get there and the shock couldn't have been any bigger. They've just been talking about, man, we're gonna get there and who's gonna roll the stone away? This thing is very large. And when they get there, it's already been moved. It's already been rolled away. And the, and the reality is there's a man who's standing there and says, Jesus isn't here. He's gone. He's risen, just like he said he would. And there's another gospel writer who said that the angel says, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's alive. He's done exactly what he told you he was gonna do. So as you're looking at the crossroads in your life, perhaps the one that you're standing at right now is just really beginning to take in the resurrection and beholding the Savior. Seeing it, this is not just a story that you've heard over the years time and time again, but this is historical fact. Jesus did live. He did die. He was raised from the dead. And he did that for you. Did that for for me. The question is, what are you going to do with that? You can hear me this morning. You can go back and you can read the other gospel writers and see how they tell the story. But the reality is, when you hear it, the question is, what are you going to do with the information that you have? I think that leads us to the next crossroads. The crossroad is is personally believing in the resurrection of of Jesus. That That you don't just hear it. You don't just read it. It doesn't just become familiar to you, but you actually put your faith in Jesus. You believe in the resurrection and allowing him to uproot you out of this old dead soil and to plant you in good new soil where he can give you life. Here's what happens when the ladies, they go and they find out that Jesus is gone. They run back and they tell all the other disciples about what's happened. And they say, hey guys, you are never gonna believe this. We went down to the graveside. You know we were doing that and we were gonna go take care of Jesus' body. But the darndest thing happened when we got there. He wasn't there. 
He was gone. Oh, and by the way, as we were there, there's an angel who said that he was resurrected and he told us that this is what Jesus had already told us. Now, how absurd would that be? How absurd would that have sounded to you in the first century? Because things like that don't happen. People don't raise, they don't raise up from the dead. If that were you, would you have believed it? Would you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Or would you be one of the skeptics who said, well, maybe there was somebody who came and stole the body while the guards were gone, or while they were sleeping, and he's gone, and maybe Jesus was just a mirage and he wasn't really a human being. Would you have believed, believed that Jesus had risen from the grave? I want you to think about this. When it comes to belief, there are three places that we can land. There are early adopters, there are late adopters, and there are never adopters. After the ladies come back with this amazing news, Peter and John, they take off, and John, and John tells us in chapter 20 of his, his gospel that they're running like it's a race to see who can get there first. And when they get there, they peek into the tomb, and sure enough, he's not there. These are like the early adopters. They hear the good news of the resurrection, and they run to Jesus like their pants are on fire, okay? They get there as fast as they can because they believe it. Many of you that are in this room right now, you are early adopters. You have trusted Jesus and you've run to him as fast as you can. And he is your savior. He is your Lord. He has given you brand new life. But then you've got late adopters as well. John tells us in chapter 20, verse 25, that there was a man named Thomas who was one of these 12, you know. He was one of the, he was one of the disciples who had been following Jesus around. And all the other disciples, they had seen Jesus, but uh, Thomas hadn't yet seen Jesus. And I don't know if he's out working or uh, if he was trying to stay away. I, I don't know why Thomas hadn't yet seen Jesus, but he hadn't. But the disciples are telling him, say, hey, listen, you've got to know that he's here. We told him the whole story. And Thomas says, listen, guys, I know what you've said, but until I see him with my own eyes, until I see him and, and put my fingers in the hole in his hand, until I take my hand and I jab it into the side where he was pierced, I am never going to believe. I have to see him first. Here's what he says in verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and, the, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas, who'd been walking with Jesus, said, I will never believe this. But do you believe that Jesus can, can change your heart? of a never believer, that Jesus can change the heart of a late adopter. But you look around you in this room. Go ahead, just, just peek around to the people who you're sitting next to. For this moment, it's not weird. <laughs> the room is full of people who never thought that they would follow Jesus. There are people in this room who said, I will never follow Jesus. There are people who are sitting in this room who thought, man, those Christians are crazy. Those Christians are nuts. Those Christians are out of their mind. Jesus, man, no, I'm gonna live my life the way that I wanna live my life. And, I, and at the end and how everything shakes out, that's gonna be fine. But in this room, there are people who have story after story after story of people who are running after Jesus. And then eventually, God turned their hearts and they ran towards Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse 26 to 29, eight days later, eight days, Days, Thomas sat in this doubt of, I don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. 
Eight days he was wondering if this was true. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and Jesus says, Thomas, here's my hand. Go ahead and touch it. Thomas, here's my side. Put your hand in as far as you want to go. I want you to know that I died and I was raised and I did that for you. And you know what Thomas says next? He says, my Lord and my God. He was late to the party. He was a late adopter, but he trusted in the resurrection of Jesus. And then you have these never believers, these never adopters, people whom it doesn't matter how much evidence they see or how much they read or how much they actually experience in their life. They just will never believe because their hearts have been turned off. I was talking with a fella um, just here recently and uh, he's a never believer. Never, never gonna believe in his mind. And the reason why he won't believe is because all the bad stuff that's happened to him in his life. And I'm gonna be honest, the things that he's gone through, it'd be very difficult to overcome and say, you know what, I'm gonna trust a, I'm gonna trust a guy who's supposed to care about me. And so he's had a hard childhood. He's had a hard adult life. Um, things have not been easy. And then he says, I look around the world and I see all the destruction and the disaster. How can there be a God who, who cares if he's got the world doing this and then he's got all this turmoil going on in my own life? How can I believe in Jesus? How can I believe that he cares about me when everything is upside down? And for him, there aren't really any answers that you can give. There's, there, there's, there's not like, you can't just keep saying the same thing over and over. This is a moment where Jesus just has to get his heart. And I ask you, is that you? Are you a never believer today? Are you a never adopter today? As uh, uh, golly, I can't remember his name. I'm just here so that I don't get fined. I'm just here so that um, I can take pictures with my wife. I'm just here because somebody drugged me here and I'm never gonna believe? Is that you? I wanna talk to the never believers and I wanna talk to the late adopters this morning because I'm convinced, guys, that there are people in this room right now who need to know who Jesus is. They need Jesus in their life. And you just need the courage to step out in faith, to say, I believe. But for you, there's just so much holding you back. There's just so much. And you're at a crossroads. You've got death on one side and you've got the resurrection life of Jesus on the other side. And he's saying, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? What is going on? I've got life over here. And he's waiting to plant you in new soil so that you might actually come alive. But for you might be worried about what people are gonna think. And I haven't been with Jesus for, for so long and I've turned my back against him and I've actually been in rebellion against him. I'm afraid that if I come to Jesus, everything in my life is gonna change. I'm afraid that people are gonna think that I'm crazy, that my wife is gonna think I'm nuts, that my son is gonna think that I'm nuts, that my kids are gonna think that I'm nuts, that, my, that I might lose my job or um, I'm gonna have to change my business ethics. I'm gonna have to do some things differently. I've been gone so long with Jesus that I'm afraid that he won't accept me. I've done too much. I've... I've sinned, I've gone too long. He can never want me. He can never want to use me. And to that I would say, that's why he came. That's why Friday happened. He went to the cross because you couldn't do anything right. 
He went to the cross so that he could take your sin away. He went to the cross so that you might have new life, not because you could do something that was worthy of his acceptance. He went to the cross because we went so far. You're afraid you're literally gonna have to change everything. You come to Jesus and you let him do the rest. You come to Jesus and let him clean up whatever needs to be cleaned up. He'll work out all those details. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied about a day when the dry bones were gonna start rattling to life again. And I believe in this room right now that there are bones that are rattling in this room ready and they're waiting to come back to life. And the question is, which person are you? Are you the early adopter? Are you the late adopter? Or are you the never adopter? Will you allow the resurrected Christ to give you life Will you look at Jesus and say, that's where life is and let him take you out of old dead soil and put you in new soil that you might bloom? I'm gonna talk to you, never believers and you uh, late adopters. I'm gonna ask right now if we can pray together, everybody in the room. Um, And we're not ending, we're almost there, but we're not landing the plane yet, just to let you know. Um, But I wanna pray with you because I do believe that there there are bones that are rattling. There are people in this room who are waiting to come to life. And so would you pray with me, Jesus, for my friends in the room who have been running, who have been running, running, running as fast as they can to get away from you. I pray that right now that you would grab them by the foot and you would drag them back. That you would soften their heart, that you would turn their eyes to the cross and that they would see that there is nothing good that they can do apart from you. And they would realize that Jesus paid the price for their sin. And so, Father, for for my never-believer friends and my late adopters in the room right now, would you allow them to reach out to you right now and to say, Jesus, I believe. I lay my sin at the foot of the cross, and I allow you to pay for my sin. And if that's you, would you pray that right now? You need Jesus. He brought you here to give you life. So late adopter and never believer who's been running, would you just reach out to Jesus right now? Do business with him. Jesus, I believe my sin is at the foot. And Jesus, I wanna follow you. I don't know what the next day is gonna look like. I don't know what the next week is gonna look like or what the rest of my life is gonna look like, but I wanna follow you. And so would you allow me, would you help me to follow you by your spirit? And so if you've trusted Jesus right now, would you just pray that? Holy Spirit, give me the ability to follow Jesus. If you prayed that, if you've trusted Jesus this morning, I'm gonna talk to you after the service, so please, would you come and and talk with me? But I want you to go ahead and open up your eyes. Um, You early adopters, we're not off the hook. You've been already walking with Jesus. There's one crossroads too that we have left. If you've already come to Christ, you're at a crossroads, and that crossroad is every day that we wake up. You've gotta choose to put on the life of Christ. You have to choose to put on the life of Christ. Scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When we put on the resurrected life of Christ and when we've been made new and we've been planted into new soil, there's an expectation of you and me as followers of Jesus to let the old things die and to live fully out of this new life. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four and he says in Colossians chapter three, put off the old self with all the old corruption and all the backbiting and the shady dealing and the 
and the gossip and the sexual immorality and the promiscuity. He says, put away those things that lead to nothing but death and you put on Christ. You've come to Christ now, you put them on and you wear them for the rest of your life. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying there, if you're going to talk the talk, then you start walking the walk. If you're going to give your life to Christ and you're going to have this new life, then live it out. Live it out to the full. Last summer, we'll end with this. Uh, we, made, we made a fire pit um, outside of our house, and uh, it was beautiful outside, and the fire was going well. And, and I know that when you're done, you're supposed to put out the fire, like fully, like Smokey the Bear says, like, make sure, like, that baby's not hot when you leave. Okay, but it was late. Um, the kids were kind of acting up. It was time to go to bed. And so, like, it's, 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 time, it's time to get to bed. And so we go inside, and uh, I don't, like, the, there's only embers left in, in the fire, right? They're just, it's just kind of there. I'm like, we're going to be fine. And so uh, we, go, we go in, we go to bed. I peeked at it outside of the window a little bit later, and it's doing okay. And then I uh, went to sleep. I woke up in the morning, and that baby was still going. Like, there was smoke going, and, like, I kind of stirred it a little bit, and the fire was still going. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And what had happened, well, there was a, a gentle breeze going all throughout the night. Nebraska, right? Like, there's always a breeze. And, and so a breeze kept going, and it kept stoking the fire. It kept breathing new life into the fire. It only takes a little breeze to stoke a fire, doesn't it? Here's the deal. When you come to Christ, let the old things die. Don't keep blowing wind on things that need to die. Don't keep the fire going that should be dead. Don't breathe new life into things that should just stay dead. Let Jesus breathe new life into you and stoke the right fires. I mean, the resurrection of Jesus just offers us brand new life, an abundant life. The resurrection is a, really a life-changing event and it can transform you from the inside out. And you can have that life by believing in Jesus. He made it possible through the cross. Let the old stuff die. Are you a late adopter? Are you a never adopter? Are you an early adopter who's ready to put on Christ and walk with him? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the time that we have this morning to just get down to the reality of accepting you. We could have talked about so much this morning. We could have done high theology. We could have talked about um, every event that happened around the cross and the resurrection. But the thing that we need to know is that you love us and you gave your son for us and there's life, there's new life in you. And you want us to live in that. So Father, would you lead us to the cross? Would you lead us there? You are our king. And we wanna live like you are our king, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.